0: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Team you hate playing again. Yeah, uh yeah, I guess fing auto, I guess. <laughs> We're
1: a team. back to another episode of the frozen biscuit podcast as always i'm your host with me today is the one of the hosts for the top shelf podcast if you already didn't know i was part of their trade deadline recap episode uh so i got frankie with me uh frankie how are you doing today
0: not too bad you
1: not bad thank you for coming on to uh talk hockey with me and being part uh getting on to to the hockey podcast network show for once
0: <laughs> that's my pleasure happy to be here uh
1: so tell tell the audience or the listeners a little bit about yourself since you're kind of a, a first time appearance on uh, on the network and, and you're you know let let the listeners know a little bit about you
0: sure um Right now, I'm a journalism student at Algonquin in Ottawa. And uh, really, I'm just trying to get my feet wet in the journalism and podcasting and all that kind of stuff. I want to end up working in sports, be it on TV, on radio, writing, that kind of thing. Uh, And really, sports has just been a passion forever that I want to turn into a career, just like anyone else who's been in sports for a long
1: time. Yeah, I mean, I think... At least for me, I can agree with that. That's probably been my driving force for most of my life has been sports. Um, so, you know, we did our draft or our NHL trade uh, recap, and it's been about a week since the trade deadline. And we've already seen some notable injuries to to big players who were moved or signed on, uh, on the deadline. And we've seen players who have had an impact but still not winning games. So... What, what's your take on what we've seen so far in the week happening after the deadline?
0: I mean, I kind of focus on the Penguins, who have lost six straight games. Uh, they've fallen below the Flyers. They're taking a nosedive in the standings. Um, as a team that, you know, on our show, we kind of pegged as the Stanley Cup favorite after the deadline. I mean, it, it's been a, a rough couple of weeks for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's what's going on, if it's goaltending, if it's defense. But yeah, the Penguins just haven't looked right. They've kind of, again, taken a nosedive. Phillies jumped up. Washington's starting to get a lead on them If yeah, for first in the, the division. But, you know, that, that entire division is super close. Six out of the, yeah, I think six out of the seven teams in that division are fighting for a playoff spot.
0: And it's it's interesting, too, because I, I believe Philly just jumped up into second place, uh, and they beat the Rangers as we're recording this. So, I mean, Travis Connectney might just goat this and, and uh, win the Flyers a cup, you know?
1: Yeah, a little bit of an Ottawa connection there, playing with the 67s. Uh, I know a lot of Ottawa fans were... Rather disappointed that they picked Colin White over Konechny back in 2015. But I think he landed in the perfect situation, uh, personally. Uh, I know he played... It's weird. He played his career in Ottawa as the center and then moved over to wing in his rookie year with the Flyers.
0: Adapt. Got to adapt.
1: Adapt and overcome. Yep. But yeah, like looking at the standings, you know Pittsburgh, they're sitting at eighty points. You know the Islanders, they're kind of on a slide recently too. If they pick up a point, or if they win tomorrow or Tuesday against uh, the Canadians, you know Pittsburgh plays Ottawa on uh, on the third, so you know they could be battling with with the Islanders for that last wildcard spot if they don't turn things around, re- like, as of late.
0: And it's it's weird, too, because I believe the majority of that division, if not, like, everyone except for the Flyers, is on a losing streak right now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, Washington lost, like, one game, so I think they lost. Did they lose? Are they, did they lose against uh, Winnipeg, or are they, is that game still going on?
0: I am not entirely sure.
1: That game is still going on. It's just at the end of the second. Okay. They're yeah, winning so. right now. But yeah, uh, Columbus has one game, one win. Uh, Carolina is one overtime loss. Uh, Rangers are two losses in a row. Islanders are loss in a row. But yeah, Flyers are six in a row for wins. Washington's going to be basically one and one, but they're three, six, and one in their last 10 compared to the Flyers that are eight, two, and oh.
0: Yeah, one one or two weeks can change it, and it has in this case. And it's uh, definitely an interesting race to follow,
1: especially with how with how close it's been in that division. Um, you know, we have a month left till really. Yeah, we have a month in like three days. Last games are the April fourth. You know, there's going to be a lot of turnover between between then what's crazy is that they have the third, like the flyers have the third best goal differential in the East.
0: Wow. Yeah. And, and I f- mean, it's not like they have a solid backup either. Like Carter Hart's the guy. And then I believe it's uh Brian Elliott
1: is the backup. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they have one of the best records at home too. Yeah. They're 23, five and four at home. They're 15-15-3 on the road.
0: Hard to beat a team like that in their own barn, too. Yeah,
1: but they're plus 30. Only Tampa and Boston have a better goal differential.
0: Pretty elite company, I'd say. Yeah.
1: Florida, is that even?
0: Well, it is Florida.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Can't trust them to win games they need to win.
0: No. They're going to gift the Leafs a playoff spot. Yeah. I don't love it,
1: it. Yeah, and they it was theirs to to lose, and they lost it. That's the infuriating part is that like they easily could have knocked Toronto out of a playoff spot, and they've just couldn't do it. They're five points back. Uh, I don't see it. They're three, six, and one in their last ten.
0: I would say it don't. It, it's almost going to be more satisfying to see. Boston or Tampa sweep the Leafs in the first round, as opposed to watching them miss the playoffs. Because then, yeah, that's for sure. Then they're, they're not even going to have a chance at winning the lottery. Yeah. So that'll be good.
1: Yeah, which I mean, we already we already know that they're going to rig it for Montreal to win.
0: That's my theory.
1: <laughs> or they're going to rig it for Ottawa to win one, two, and then Montreal drop to it'll be Ottawa, Detroit, and then Montreal at fourth. <laughs>
0: Shane, that that is the worst thing I've ever heard you say. I don't want you, I don't want to hear it again.
1: What have Ottawa win the first two, like one and two, and then Detroit at three, and then Montreal at four?
0: Well, Shane, your your listeners aren't going to like this, but uh, I'm a Habs fan, so.
1: Hey, even even more reason to to say it. Um, I mean, <laughs> but uh, I mean, since you're a Habs fan, we do have uh, a little bit to talk about from that 20, 2018 draft with Kakanyemi going down to Laval uh, after a subpar sophomore season.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, Kakanyemi is kind of, he's been disappointing this year, but at the same time, I think at the time it was the best pick for the Habs to make. Uh, Obviously, if you could go back and do it now, you'd probably draft Brady to Chuck and hope to find a center elsewhere, but the team desperately needed a center when that draft happened, and they got it. They got the guy they thought was going to be the guy. He could still be the guy. Um, but sometimes you just have to go with your gut, and sometimes you're going to be wrong. And at, at the end of the day, I think that's all this is.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's had, he has decent numbers in Laval this year. 11 points in 11 games, no goals, but all assists, which, you know, that's still pretty impressive.
0: I mean, with guys like uh, Domi and Druin out there, who have the ability to score all the time. I, I, I'm not positive that you really need Kotkin Yemi to be a great scorer. I'm also not positive you need him to be a first-liner. I think if you can get him to be a second-liner who gets, you know, 20 goals a year, I think you're pretty happy with him.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think Ryan, you have Ryan polling who's considered a center. He has 13 points in 36 games, which I would think is kind of a disappointment compared to... To where you probably thought he would end up after last season, (laughs) Um, his one game hat trick. But you know, if you know, if Montreal, you know, they're going to miss the playoffs again after a decent start to the season. If they say, like I think they're sitting, they're sitting ninth right now. Obviously, you being a sixty-seven fan, you'd want them to pick rossi but he's obviously not gonna he shouldn't be available that late in the in in the top 10 so who would you want montreal to pick um
0: i mean it really depends where you sit i mean there there's a lot of this this is a really deep draft as we know um and considering that marco rossi right now i believe is supposed to go in the five to six range that tells you just how good it is um but, it, it, again, it really depends where you are. But, um, oh, I forget his name. Lucas Raymond. Um, the the guy that I kind of look at and say that could be a franchise-altering guy in the, the, the middle of the first round is Lucas Raymond. Um, you know, he's got a good shot. He's a smart hockey player. He's got some speed. Uh, and it, it, he's that offensive player who can put the puck in the back of the net for you.
1: So, I don't know if you saw... My retweet about it, or even the original tweet um, from what's his name, the Craig Button from TSN, saying that he could see Jack Quinn sliding into the top ten because he believes he's the best, you know, scorer in the draft. Do you think Montreal takes a risk and and reaches for a guy like Quinn? Uh, if they're in the bottom, like between, let's say, 9 and 12, or 8 and 12?
0: Now, the thing with Jack Quinn, I'm just going to pull up his re- elite prospects really quick here, um, throughout his minor hockey career, you never really looked at him and thought that he's, you know, an elite goal scorer. Um, the highest amount of goals he ever scored was in A hockey in 2015-16, when he was playing with the Upper Valley Aces in Bantam. Uh, he scored 38 goals and 62 points in 30 games, but you know, in junior a, he only scored 21, um, in his first year in the OHL when he was an AP with the team, he didn't score any in eight games. Uh, last year he only scored 12 goals and then this year he explodes for 47. Um, it's hard to really see if he's, if he's going to be able to keep this up, um, don't get me wrong, I like Jack Quinn a lot, but I, as much as it pains me to say, I think this 47 might just be a fluke. I think he can be a 30-goal-a-year kind of guy, but I, I don't think he's going to be the guy to lead you out and, and score 40 to 50 goals a year.
1: Do you think that, you know, I highly doubt, if Montreal's drafting, I think a lot of teams that draft, After outside of the top five, aren't drafting for players that can jump into an immediate role with their respective clubs. You know, I think all eyes are pointing at no matter where Jack Quinn gets drafted, he's heading back to to Ottawa for, you know, most likely another long playoff run, a shot at the World Junior Team, because you know Tourney is is now the head coach. He'll most likely look at bringing in, you know... Bringing in a guy like Quinn for that team, at least for the camp, if he puts up another, even if it's a a thirty goal season, which is respectable, if it's an NHL season, you know you don't have everyone, you don't have like the Pasternak's and the Matthews, uh, Gutchkins hitting like forty goals every year. Do you think that it's worth the gamble if you're Montreal?
0: Could be, depending who's on the board. Um, I don't know if I'd be comfortable drafting Jack Quinn in the top 10. Uh, Craig Button's usually pretty smart about this stuff, but I think that's really, really high for him. For a guy who entered the year as like a 6th or 7th round pick, um, I think you could probably get lucky with him as the 15th pick. But at 10, in such a deep draft, I think there's so much talent there. Um but if that being said, if you do end up with him, um, I still think he's he's a very smart hockey player. He he works incredibly hard. He's very very good at killing penalties for some reason, um, and you know he's also not really afraid to go into the dirty areas, even though he's only five eleven, which is always a positive on a th- on a team like Montreal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I if you go to to Tankathon they have Quinn locked in at number 19, going to Edmonton. Personally, if there's only two for Ottawa's, you know, third pick in that round for the Islanders, there's only two guys that I want to take if they're available. And that's Sanderson and Quinn. And I think that both of those will be off the board. Um, you know, I think Sanderson might be the guy that Montreal should look at as someone, you know, you don't have a – you have Petrie, but outside of that, you don't have much of a puck-moving defenseman on that blue line.
0: That's – that. Uh, yeah. A guy like Jamie Drysdale is the guy that I would really be interested in if I'm Montreal. Uh, But he's also been pegged as the best defenseman in the draft class this year. So it's probably a long shot to get him. But with the amount of decent forwards in this draft, you could also see Drysdale start to slide until, you know, the 5, 6, 7, possibly even 8 spot. So, uh, again, you just never really know with this one.
1: Yeah, I think this draft is going to be the most interesting one. I'm definitely debating on going down for... uh for the draft of the tickets come on sale and whatnot and what my schedule is going to look like. But you know, he's playing... Like, Sanderson has, in the U.S. Uh, development uh, program, he has 27 points in 45 games. And then in the uh, UCHL, he has 12 points in 17 games as a defenseman. So, I mean, that's pretty decent for... Uh, a defenseman and you no, know, kind of sucks because he has American he, he's like he's a he's a dual citizen and unfortunately he decided to go through the states
0: yeah I mean I'd know a lot more about him if he came to the OHL or Canada in general but unfortunately the NCAA strikes
1: again Well, I think it's also the fact that it's one of those he looked at who was in his age group, and thought that he would be better off going to the states instead of staying in in Canada. Yeah, because there's a lot of Canadian elite defense, like a lot of Canadian defensemen in uh, on the board this year. So I can see if like. You, cause you have to make that decision at like 15. Yep. And that's not an easy decision to do at 15. Cause you have to evaluate where you're at now compared to where you can be at in three years. And that's not easy to do.
0: For sure. Yeah. Like, uh, could you imagine being that 15 year old kid who's got to decide between going to, you know, one of the premier schools or, Going to the uh, to the OHL draft or you know various other drafts, and hoping to end up in a good situation like
1: that's crazy to think like well, you have to make a a life altering decision at 15.
0: Man, I could barely make my own craft dinner when I was 15. I couldn't. I could not fathom the pressure that's on
1: those kids. Like it, it's ridiculous. Which is, you know, you know Ottawa with Logan Brown had a similar situation with his dad being Canadian and his mom being American. And at like 14, he had to make the decision on if he wanted to continue playing for the U S cause he, or to play for Canada. And even though he went to the OHL, he figured that internationally his best situation was to go to, uh, go to the States and, that's unfortunate, but that's the kind of pressure that these kids have. I'm
0: sure it would help too, because his dad was at the time the coach of the 67. So I'm sure having that kind of uh, OHL connection probably helped him out a little bit. But you know, a kid who has no connection to anything kind of has to go in all by themselves, and yeah. that could be much harder.
1: Yeah, I personally don't. Li- I don't agree with the The university route, uh, personally, I think it's it's not the most beneficial for a lot of players uh, when it comes to draft eligible players. I think if you're projected to go a fir- be a first round pick, you should go through the OHL. But again, you have to make this decision at like 15, and you don't know where you're going to be. Like, not everyone is uh, is a Jack Hughes or or uh, McDavid, where they know they're going to be a top five pick.
0: Yeah, so, and there, there's there's something to be said about getting your education while you still can too. But I mean, they offer that same kind of thing in Canada. I'm mean, part of it too. Comes down to uh, leaving your family for an extended period of time as well.
1: Yeah. And I mean and, the, that U.S. development team, like that World Junior team, does not like. OHL players or CHL no. players. Uh, Man, very like, rarely, you have to be you have to be a top ten talent to to even be looked at for that US lead like that US junior team. Not like year in and year out. It's
0: yeah, they uh, they're they're a little different over there.
1: Like you have to be some you know Matthew Kachuk or Patrick Kane kind of talent to show that you belong on that team to if you're going the CHL route. Yeah. And then Canada, we just don't care as long as you can play and you're the best player available. We're going to take you thing that we proved that with the way we handled Bernard Docker during the world juniors.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I Personally, I just feel like in, in junior hockey, it's more of a professional feel. Uh, you know, you can get used to, the the practicing and, uh, you know, the road trips and all that kind of stuff, even in some situations getting traded. um, I feel like the NCAA doesn't do as great a job at preparing young hockey players for professional hockey. Uh, But it could also be said that it probably does a better job at preparing young kids for real life in comparison to the Canada option.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think the age difference is also important because you have guys playing you know 16 17 18 19 and 20 basically like you know, a lot of players can play up to five years depending on how good they are when they first get into the league uh, compared to guys that are you know entering their first year of college at 18 or 17 depending on when your when your birthday is. And a so, lot of them
0: won't play in that first year either. They'll be kind of the uh, the odd man out in a lot of situations.
1: Yeah, they'll be by like, by, like Brady Kachuk, for example. He was basically a fourth-line player his entire freshman year at Boston College. He was a bottom yeah. six and whatnot. And if he was in the, you know, CHL, wherever that might have been, uh, he probably would have been a top six player, probably close to 100 points. And I think that's, you know, at least for Ottawa, we have, you know, John Gruden for London. He played, I think, one or two years in the NCAA and then decided to to go to London for one year, which is this year. And, like, they tried convincing Shane Pinto to go to, to Ottawa since he was a, a CHL free agent and consigned with everyone.
0: That would have been a nice pickup.
1: Yeah, it would have been. But... I think it really comes down to the person, right? And the situation that you're put into.
0: For sure. I mean, like I said, there's something to be said about having that certainty of a degree once you leave uh, your university.
1: If you decide to stay that long. Oh, for sure. I think we've seen a lot of situations, you know, backfire on players where they play all four years, decide that... They want to f- decide where they go, and they don't live up to that hype. We've seen it with Mike Riley, uh, Jimmy VC, Bobby Butler, um, Matt O'Connor, to name a few. Very rarely do we have a guy like Adam Fox kind of do that route and actually show that he he deserves it. I mean, even Justin Schultz went through that with with Edmonton, where he did he decided to go to Edmonton, and it didn't pan out the way he wanted it to and then he went to pittsburgh and kind of rejuvenated his career there but sometimes going to where you're drafted is better off than going your own route
0: that's part of the reason why i feel uh the ohl in comparison to the ncaa would prepare you better for you know life in professional hockey um because going into the OHL, most guys don't really have a choice of where they go. It's either you go there or you are not playing in our league. Um, whereas college, you know, you get to pick where you want to go, uh, and you know, you don't you can you can leave at any time.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you can leave the CHL at any time, really.
0: But you can't really force your way onto a different team just because you want to. You could, but it usually doesn't work out the way you expect it to.
1: I mean, we saw it with uh, Merkley. Was it Merkley? It was with like Peterborough and then traded to London or something that like that. That
0: was a weird situation because he was just gen- genuinely or generally not a, a great person to work with, is the yeah. understanding I have with the Peterborough situation.
1: Yeah, he was, uh, he did not have the greatest personality when it came to being a person that could work with others.
0: And but. typical London gets this player and turns him into something good.
1: Which, you know what? If you if you you want that reputation, though. Oh, for sure. And as it's, a league... It's helped them. And, I mean, as a league, you, you're not going to put it away. Like, you want, you know, if you... That's the one thing I will admit about the Hunters. As much as I don't like them as, like, overly as, like, uh, international coaches. And I'm super happy that, you know, Tourney is going to be the... Uh, the canadian coach next year for the world juniors they do know how to to put kids you know on the right path and get them focused and get rid of any attitude or personality issues they may have
0: it's it's wild like very rarely do you see a junior hockey team as good as they are for two years in a row Um, i can't remember the last time the london knights missed the playoffs it's it's unheard of what they've been able to accomplish there.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you already have. I mean, you do have the stories of like paying players under the table and whatnot.
0: That happens in every every single. But game. that's
1: the thing is that like, it have every team does it in some way somehow. Teams are paying under the table, you know, paying for phones, paying for meals, things like that.
0: I have a couple of buddies who. Not not directly with me, but uh, buddies of buddies kind of thing. Um, they've told me teams buy kids' cars. Um, I believe I heard a rumor about something happening where Ottawa uh, did something for Marco Rossi. Uh, I mean, it, it happens everywhere. Uh, Niagara just got busted for it because, good, I'm glad they did. I hate Niagara. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean at, at every single level of junior hockey this happens. Um don't don't be ignorant and think it doesn't really.
1: Yeah, like you know, it can be as a simple because I know you know there's some teams that literally lease cars for their players. The yeah. so players that like drive, they lease cars for them. Or their uh their billets do it. Uh, yeah, and- I mean it, so it's, it's
0: interesting to see the OHL crack down on Niagara, but nobody else. They must have done something really, really wrong.
1: Probably. I definitely feel like when they get cracked down on, they, unlike the one that happened with Portland, which I felt like was ridiculous, um, where they were cracked down on for buying cell phones. Um, I think for, for the OHL, you have to do something when it comes to Trying to convince people to come play, not necessarily what you're doing for people already on your team, it's the convincing players to commit to your team. It's like if you commit, we'll give you an extra like two hundred dollars like two hundred dollars a week or whatever.
0: part of the problem too, like you can get you can go on and on and on about uh, that, and there's all these lawsuits going on about them wanting minimum wage, but part of the reason why. Uh, paying players has never been an option, is because it would cripple a lot of the teams in the league. Um, you you look at teams; some of them are averaging. I think North Bay is averaging just north of two thousand people at every game. Um, paying all of their players fourteen dollars an hour, uh, they probably wouldn't have a hockey team for much
1: longer. Um, well, North Bay shouldn't have a hockey team. That's like what their second one.
0: Some, uh, well, they moved from uh, Brampton. I'm not too sure what they had before then. I
1: think they did. But, I'm sure they had like an OHL team before. I believe so. Um, and then they moved, and they moved Brampton. I think but, it was like the North Bay Centennials. That no, that's that's the sounds one. Sounds they- right. Um, but
0: I mean, you look at you. T- you look at teams like London, who we all know is paying paying players constantly because they always have these good teams. Um, but if this became legal, the London Knights would probably be able to win the league every single year. Um. That's that's just how it would go. Um, so there, it's kind of important to to limit the amount of, of money our teams can spend, but I I do feel that it is important to the OHL that they are able to pay the players a little bit uh, just to kind of convince them to come over instead of going to the NCAA. Yeah.
1: So yeah, it was the North Bay Centennials that are now the Saginaw Spirit. Still haven't won a championship. Since
0: North Bay. Yeah,
1: and like, there's been some teams like the Owen Sound Platers, Niagara Falls Thunder,
0: Mississauga St. Michael's Majors, and the Toronto St. Michael's Majors.
1: Yeah, and that who I believe
0: was owned by Eugene Melnick.
1: The uh, the the uh, Toronto St. Michael's Majors were yes. The Mississauga Ice Dogs. Um.
0: The relocation of the league has been absolutely incredible the last couple of years.
1: Dukes of Hamilton.
0: Yep. Hamilton's about to lose their team too, eh?
1: Is that confirmed?
0: They're looking at Burlington right now, which, I mean...
1: It's because of the arena thing, isn't it?
0: It's hu- It's a huge arena. It's, it's way too big for them. But nah. they were supposed to build, I think it was a 5,000-seat arena out in the suburbs somewhere, and the city backed out, so... That that arena they're in right now is falling apart, so I don't blame them.
1: Yeah, no. The Belleville Bulls. Oh my god.
0: Talk about a rivalry.
1: Yeah, I miss that. I missed their jerseys. The yellow ones were ugly though. Oh, oh yeah. God, oh yeah, ugly. they were horrible. But like the the black ones and like their their standard black and like their white were sick. I love that. Like there was nothing better than the the Ottawa-Kingston-Belleville rivalry weekend where, like, it was Kingston and Ottawa, Kingston-Belleville, Belleville Belleville and Kingston all in one weekend.
0: You know, the last game I remember seeing the Belleville Bulls at was... It was in Ottawa, of course, um, but in the warm-ups, there was uh, a pipe that burst over top of the Bulldogs' end, or the Bulldogs, the Bulls, (laughs) and... (laughs) The game was delayed. It didn't start until almost 10 o'clock. And we left at the end of the second period. It was already 11 o'clock. Um, it, man, that that's like my last memory of the Bulls. Of the, the Bulls.
1: Malcolm Subban.
0: PK Subban.
1: Yeah, Jordan Subban.
0: Yeah, they all played there.
1: <laughs> but like. Brett Gustafson yeah. played there. Yeah. Before coming over, eh?
0: Um, I believe it was after.
1: Yeah, because he was traded there. But like, yo, know, and then they wore those yellow jerseys as their primaries for a while. Oh, oh it, was brat. So it was so bad.
0: They're so bad.
1: I much prefer their black ones.
0: Yeah, but they had red ones for a while, too, but those were also ugly. Yeah, that was like a 90s thing.
1: But I don't know. I just I miss it. I miss those jerseys. I'm so happy that they're still around in Belleville, though. Cause they have like the Belleville Junior Bulls still. Yep. I think honestly, this the the uh, the the Belleville Senators should do like a tribute to to the Bulls and just wear like a Bulls themed jersey.
0: I was hoping they would keep the Bulls name and just be the Belleville Bulls. I'm not a fan of the uh, this the American League team having the same name as the NHL team.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not big, but I mean, that's been Ottawa though. I think all their yeah. AHL teams have had Senators in it.
0: I don't remember anyone before Binghamton, but that's what Binghamton was as well.
1: Yeah, it was like well, when they were out, like when they were out, uh, yeah, out east in the nineties, they were called the, uh, um, like I think it was the St. John Senators or something like that. It was ridiculous, something crazy. Um, but I definitely think that Ottawa should go back to, yeah, it was the uh, the Prince Edward Island Senators oh. from 93 to 96. Man.
0: You want to talk about a cool defunct OHL team, though? Got to talk about the Plymouth Whalers, man.
1: Yeah, I totally forgot they were a thing for the longest time.
0: They they went from having some of the coolest logos and uniforms to becoming the Flint Firebirds with those monstrosities. Just the worst logo in hockey. Some terrible uniforms. Yeah. It's
1: I, admit, I I I remember looking, because I was like, I remember when they switched from Plymouth to, to Flint and they rebranded and...
0: Ah... Uh, the worst part okay. now, they can't even go back to Plymouth because I believe the uh, U.S. development team took the arena. It's theirs now.
1: I think so. Which is why I thought they were. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't even know if Flint was like a primary. Like, yeah, I don't know. It was stupid. Some some big names played out in, in Plymouth.
0: Tyler Second played out there, I believe. Yeah,
1: Ricard Raquel also played out yeah. there. So, Tom like... Wilson. Ew, <laughs> like
0: yeah. I, I mean, I didn't know. Th- I, like I knew Tyler Sagan played there, but I completely forgot about it. And then I think I was taking a Sparkle quiz or something, and then I found that out. I don't
1: know it was. Uh, it was definitely something. I I just...
0: nostalgic for two thousand eight.
1: Yeah. But to be fair, there's a lot of Flint players going to.
0: Ty DeLandria is the main one.
1: Yeah. Then Goddard went to Dallas.
0: They're Russia Central, though. And, like, they got a lot of Russians over there.
1: Yeah, that's for sure.
0: And some big boys.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. But, like...
0: Well, I believe they were just on a 14 game win streak. And sadly, they still rank in like the bottom third of the league in attendance.
1: That's not surprising.
0: They're down there with North Bay, with uh, Kingston, and, uh, you know, some other not so great crowds.
1: Guelph has had four different, five different teams. Have they? Yeah.
0: Well, the Storm. I know the Storm relocated from somewhere, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, Hamilton has had way too many.
0: They're about to lose another one, like us with football.
1: They have eight OHL teams defunct. Wow. Toronto's got to be old, eh? Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, days Probably, yeah. Um, And, like, Toronto has a bunch. St. Catharines has, like, three.
0: Pretty much the whole league is the greater Toronto area, though.
1: Yeah. Waterloo Hurricanes, the Windsor Spitfires.
0: Speaking of a good team.
1: What? The Spitfires?
0: Yeah, I mean, man, they remind me a lot of Guelph last year, honestly. Um,
1: Yeah, we don't talk about that.
0: (laughs) Well, Nick Suzuki is now my least favorite Canadian of all time, so... (laughs)
1: That's fair. That. I'm so mad. The Cornwall Royals.
0: Bring them back. Bring them back, please. What? The Cornwall Royals. I want to go to games in Cornwall.
1: The now the Sarniest thing.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Sarnia, actually, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, former 67, Will Bitton scored his, or not Will, Sam Sam.
1: Bitton. I totally forgot he was still in the league.
0: Yeah. Well, they traded him at the beginning of the year. um,
1: Isn't he an overager?
0: Uh, no, next year is his overage season, I believe uh,
1: Okay 200 points for him today, I think it was Yeah Again, I honestly thought he was out of the league
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: I was uh, Well,
0: I was surprised about that trade At the beginning of the year, but Clearly it's worked out
1: Yeah They, they definitely know what they're doing over there
0: Good, because uh, We need a GM we can trust for Team Canada next year And James Boyd, I think, is just that
1: Hopefully, uh, maybe we we'll able to win a gold.
0: Hopefully, we get to see Marco Rossi in the World Juniors too.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen.
0: I don't know, man. It'll be interesting to see wherever he gets drafted.
1: Um, I just don't think Austria are getting into the the World Juniors. Well, they did, didn't they? Not this year. They were out. That's why he wasn't part of it last year. Or, yeah, yeah. They so. played.
0: They played in the uh, the B side tournament this year. Or the tier two. I thought they qual- I thought they may have won the B side. I could be wrong.
1: Oh yeah, it looks it looks like uh, it looks like they'll be in Group B. Yeah. I don't know if this is actually accurate, but it's on it's Wikipedia. But um, that lo- sounds
0: accurate.
1: To me. It looks like they'll be in Group B with. Russia, Sweden, United States, and Czech Republic.
0: okay. so we know who's getting relegated, but
1: <laughs> Austria and Germany.
0: hopefully we get to see Marco Rossi in a tournament. Um, I think that's something that hurt his his stock this year, just not having anywhere to play over Christmas.
1: Yeah, I honestly, I think the idea that the juniors elevator decline draft stock is ridiculous because if that was the case, Byfield would have dropped out of the top ten.
0: Yeah, but I mean, there's <laughs> people have made excuses for Byfield because he's a year younger than everybody else. But um, normally, what you see if you watch the OHL consistently is you see players get better and they become more visible and they become, you know, the guy. And not to say that Byfield's not the guy in Sudbury, but every time you watch Ottawa play Sudbury, uh, Quentin Byfield isn't usually the guy that's that's doing everything. And it's it's interesting. Oh yeah, to I'm see. not impressed with Byfield. Yeah, I think Marco Rossi is the best player in the OHL
1: right now. Um, my opinion on Byfield is that he's two years away from being two years away. He needs to play another two years of junior before you can even bring him in as like a serious contention for a roster spot.
0: Wolves management has kind of disgusted me too. Um for a team with a talent like Quentin Byfield, I feel like you're almost doing him a disservice to sit as quiet as they did at the trade deadline. Um, they lo- or they lost in, in, a sh- in overtime today, I believe it was, to the Barry Colts. Um, a team they're battling for first in the division with, uh, and because of the crappy rule where finishing first in your division guarantees you either number one or two, um, right now they're going to play the Mississauga Steelheads, I believe it is. Um, and they should be number four in the conference. So they, they needed to do something. There was stuff available for them and they did nothing. So I think they've, uh, they've hurt his, his growth.
1: Unless they don't think that he's going to be going anywhere in the, in next season. So there's I, no point of, of, uh, betting the farm or selling the house. For one year, when he's going to be back next year,
0: I think he has to go back next year. Um If, if the World Juniors is any indication, I don't think he's ready for the NHL.
1: Not even let close. Alone,
0: let alone the best junior hockey competition. Like for a guy who's as big as he is, he didn't. You know, he didn't dominate.
1: Big. Like I understand it's World Juniors, and you shouldn't, um you know, do that. And like base your, your opinions on, on just the world juniors. But, you know, I watched him every time he was in Ottawa, like all three times he was in Ottawa last year. And he's not, like, I haven't been impressed by him. I don't think he is NHL ready. And I don't, like, you know, if Ottawa were to, if Ottawa were to select number two and it was between Marco Rossi, you know, Alexander Holtz, Lucas Raymond, and, you know, Quentin Byfield... I'm picking Rossi
0: 110%. It's it's weird that you say that you shouldn't put too much stock into the World Juniors, but the one thing that I gathered from the World Juniors is Alexis Lefrenier is absolutely 110% ready for the NHL. Quinton Byfield is not.
1: And oh, 100%. I agree. Normally
0: with that. normally when you pick second overall, you're looking for someone who can step up uh, pretty much instantly and make an impact, like a Jack Eichel kind of guy. But if you're picking Quentin Byfield right now, you're you're pretty much admitting to yourself that you know he needs some time in the juniors before um, he's ever ready to to come up to the NHL.
1: Yeah, and I think if you're if you're a team, you know, let's let's say for whatever reason, uh, you know, right now a team like Minnesota is sitting on the bubble, and they don't make it into the playoffs you know, and they somehow jump up to second, you know, and they pick Quinton Byfield, you know he's going back to to Sudbury come the new season. Like, you know it, he's not going to play for Minnesota that year. But I think if it's a team like Detroit, Ottawa, L.A., Anaheim, you know, even Chicago – they may be looking at it as a a player to jump right into it. And I don't think he could. And I also think it would be a mistake for a lot of those teams to pick him.
0: I don't want to say that he's a bust because obviously we don't know that yet. But as far from what I've seen out of him this year, I think he's taken a step back from last year. And again, normally, normally you see uh, the draft eligibles really take that lurch forward. Like, Jack Quinn is the prime example. Marco Rossi has done that. Cole Perfetti. Cole Perfetti has done absolutely great this year, and I mean, he had a really good year last year too. But this year, <laughs> the it's it's really weird to me that Quinton Byfield has been pegged into this number two spot, and it almost feels like there's not a single chance that anybody will ever stop saying that. Even though I don't, I don't think he's even close to the best player in the OHL right now.
1: Not even close. I don't think so. I I, Honestly, I don't even think he's the second best, like a top five player in the draft, personally. I think
0: think Perfetti might be a little bit, I don't know. I can't decide if he's underrated or overrated right now.
1: I think he's a little bit overrated. I think him not making the cut for Team Canada kind of hurt his stock a little bit. Uh, But at the same time, I also don't think if he made it, he probably would have been put in the same situation that Byfield was in. So, was it a blessing in disguise? Maybe. But, you know, I think if you look at Stunzel, Raymond, and Drysdale, and even Holtz, those four players can make, and even Rossi and Perfetti, Lundell, could all make arguments to be the second overall pick, and Byfield has really done nothing to to show that he, he belongs there. Like, realistically, the only reason why he was there is because he's 6'4".
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: he's got
0: he's got tons of talent. Um, I I don't think he has the greatest speed in the world, and he's only he might get a little bit slower as he gets you know bigger because uh, he's going to be heavier. But I, I feel almost as if the best thing to happen to Cole Perfetti is to not make Canada. Uh, he's going to fall. I would be surprised if we saw Cole Perfetti go in the top ten. I think more 15 to 20 range is where we could see him go, maybe a little bit higher. But if he goes there, we'll see Cole Perfetti on a decent team to start. I think he could be set up to be an absolute monster, whereas Byfield is going to have to work with with nothing.
1: Yeah. So it's going to be interesting on to see what happens in the uh... – in the coming weeks and the coming months the, before, because it really depends on who's drafting who, because I think if Ottawa is drafting number two, they're going to look at someone who can play center and wing, and I think Rossi could be that guy, uh, Stunzel could be that guy, Byfield can't.
0: I mean, it also helps to have, I don't know what the other guy's face-off percentages are, but... Um, it feels like Marco Rossi wins every single face-off. Realistically, he's, I think he wins like two-thirds of his face-offs. But, and he, he's hes incredibly smart. Like, There's so many positives about the kid, but everybody focuses on how small he is. But he's still the best player in the OHL. Oh, 100%.
1: Uh, with that being said, I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you, Frankie, for coming on and, and talking draft and, and hockey in general. It was a pleasure to have so. you. Where can people find you?
0: So you can find me and my buddy Nick on the Top Chelf show. Uh, that's C-H-E-L-F, uh, Top Chelf. Uh, we're talking all things hockey. This week we're going to be talking lots about the draft as well. Uh, we're going to be focusing in on a kid named Shane Wright over in Kingston. Um, and uh, I would love to have you over for that show to to hear a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, let me know. Uh, so guys listening, a little preview for an upcoming episode uh, for for their, uh, for their podcast. Um, but thank you all for listening. Again, you can find myself at Shane underscore Ryan 97, as well as FrozenBiscuit92 uh, in the Hockey Podcast Network at Hop, uh, HockeyPodNet. Also, don't forget, uh, we do have a contest going on between – Tankathon uh, or brought to you by powered by Tankathon and Cool Hockey. Go to Tankathon, sim the lottery as many times as you want, take a screenshot of the result you like and be entered into a chance to win a $200 gift card uh by Cool Hockey for a chance, you know, $200 to put to awards in New Jersey. So definitely check that out. It'll be all on, be on all our social medias. Uh hope you guys have a great one and we will catch you on Thursday. Hey hockey fans, if you're like me, you have a couple of plain jerseys hanging in your closet, no name or number on But I got a solution for you where you can get whatever name, whatever number you want from any jersey. Visit my friends Chris and Kevin at Customize Sports for all your customization needs. They have hundreds of teams available for purchase at their eBay store. They're shipping out of Toronto. If you can't find what you're looking for, message them and they'll try to accommodate you. Visit their store on eBay at ebaystores.com slash customized sports. Or you can catch them on Reddit at you slash customized dash sports.